and his work on the cross, we are more than conquerors. Would you stand with me? Hebrews chapter 2. We'll read verses 5 and through the end of the chapter. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. But one testified in a certain place saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly I will sing praise to you, and again I will put my trust in him, and again here am I, the children whom God has given me. Inasmuch, then, as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore in all things... He had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Father, we come to you asking you to just bless your word, to give us an awareness of what it is we're about to embark upon as we study. Lord, you have been tremendous to us. And we look into this word that you have given us, and your word is faithful and true. And I just ask you for these next few moments that we would be able to focus upon you, your glory, and your magnificence. We want you to just be honored in and through us. And Father, I know no greater way than to hear your word and be obedient, be submissive and obedient to your word. Lord, I pray you would do something in us and through us for your glory. Oh God, help us to move beyond ourselves and the cares, the temporal cares of this world and to really see you in all that you are and and just have your power in and through us. Lord, I pray for anyone that's in this service that might not be saved. Lord, I ask you that you would speak to them and that today they would respond in faith, believing in the finished work of Calvary, believing in you as their Lord and Savior. And Father, may they pass from death unto life. 
God, I ask you for your help. I need to be filled with your spirit, and I'm asking you to do that so that I can preach this for you because we desperately need it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Thank you, church. You may be seated. You know, when Adam sinned, everything was disrupted. Everything changed. In the creative account, God created everything, and at the end of His creative work, He created man. And He put everything, all of creation, under the authority of man. Man gave that authority away when he disobeyed God in the garden and ate that fruit. And it forever changed things. It forever changed things. And as a result, now we have to go through suffering. We have to go through death. The reason people suffer, the reason people die, is because of sin. And the Bible is clear about that. The writer comes along and shows us that through Jesus Christ, listen to this, I love this term, the captain of our salvation. Isn't that great? Now, any of all of you guys that were in the army, you know the captain wasn't the highest rank. But in the Greek, it's much higher than a captain in the U.S. Army rank. He is the chief leader. The captain of our salvation. Through him, we can have victory and be restored to our place of honor and authority. Do you realize, as a believer in Jesus Christ, that if you, in fact, are faithful on this earth, you will be rewarded with responsibility in the kingdom, authority in the kingdom. We will not be angels floating around on clouds, playing harps, eating grapes. That's the world's view of it. We will be in His kingdom reigning as servant kings. The Bible is clear that it teaches that. And I'm, I'm sorry that more preachers don't preach about the reward process and what happens in the kingdom. We will be with Him, and all of these things will be under the authority, obviously, of Him. And I, we will be under His authority, but we will have authority and dominion over all these other things as servant kings. That's why we're faithful. He that is faithful with little, I will make you ruler of much. That's what the Bible says. And so what you do in this lifetime as a believer in Jesus Christ determines what you do in the kingdom with Christ. And it's important to know that. Now the writers continue in the theme that Jesus is better than the angels. I did some little side study on some angels. There's some really bizarre things out there about um, angels. For instance, do you know that there is a religion, I won't tell the religion, but they believe that Michael the archangel is on the same equal with Jesus. Which is kind of funny because if you read in Jude, uh, Michael the archangel wouldn't even make a railing accusation against the devil, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. The angel, Michael, put himself under the authority of the Lord. But, of course, people that have these weird beliefs about angels never read the Bible. And, uh, of course, we've all watched the uh, It's a Wonderful Life. And it's a great movie. We watch it every Christmas time, right? And the, the bell ding, and every time you hear a bell, an angel gets their wings. That's fiction. There's some weird beliefs about angels. Angels are nothing more than messengers of God. They're servants of God. He created them to be His messengers, to do what He wants them to do. 
And Jesus is better than the angels. People worship angels. And it's ridiculous, but Jesus is better than angels. And this text is powerful. And I hope you'll stay with me. Let's jump into it and let's go verse by verse and let's see what he is teaching us. Because I have been so excited, I cannot, I'll be honest with you, I can't wait to preach this. But I love talking about Jesus Christ. What we're going to discover here is the writer is emphasizing the humanity of Christ. God becoming flesh. And he's illustrating that for a reason. Because no angel ever became flesh and died for your sins. Nor could they. Jesus, on the other hand, God became flesh. Look at verse 5. For he, God the Father, has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. Carrying on this thought. God never, God the Father never put angels in a position of authority over this coming world, this kingdom. The world to come is the kingdom. He never did that. This is an argument carrying on that Jesus is better than angels. Look at verse 6. But one testified in a certain place saying, and he returns to Psalm 8. This is Psalm 8. You could go there and read it. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. Now, everybody reads this, a lot of people read this, not everyone reads this, and they think that, that this passage is talking about Jesus because it says Son of Man. It's not. It's talking about man. If you go back to creation, man was the crowning part of creation. It was God's final wonderful thing. He created man. That's why man is so more superior than animals, and men are not supposed to act like animals because we are God's crowning work. We were created in His image. And he gave us authority. And he put all of this under us, and he said, he crowned them with glory and honor, he set them above all the creation. Adam was given the responsibility to name all the animals. That was his responsibility. Because he was, uh, had authority over it. But when he sinned, he gave that authority away. Now, let me just make a little spiritual principle here. Believers, when you sin, you are giving your spiritual authority away, even as a believer in Jesus Christ. You give your spiritual authority away. Look at verse uh, 8 there. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. He put everything in submission to man. But it doesn't look that way today, does it? But now we do not yet see all things under him. It does not look like man has dominion today. Our political leaders act like raw animals. They don't act like men. And because of the fall, everything that man touches is messed up. It's messed up. I mean... If you just sit down and think about it, everything that man does is tries to create shortcuts. That's all we do. All man does is try to create shortcuts. All these computers and things were supposed to change our lives, make our lives easier. They, we have more headaches worried about crashes and viruses and all this stuff. My grandfather never, ever, ever worried about his computer crashing. 
He never could care less. He never worried about uh, purchases on an internet and credit cards and all that stuff. He never worried about that stuff. And we think that we can, man can make all these things and make it better for us. It doesn't make it better for us. I remember I was going to electronically do all my calendar. That lasted for about three hours when I realized it's easier to just write it down on my calendar and take it with me. Right? Let me tell you something. You know about your government? You know how smart they are? They spent almost, I don't know how many million dollars to invent a pen that would write in space. The Russians took a pencil. Let that sink in. What am I telling you? I'm telling you that because we are fallen, everything we do in humanity is going to be skewed. It's going to be a mess. It's a mess. And it does not look like everything is under the rule of Jesus and his kingdom and his servant kings. It does not look like that, does it? You look around, does it look like it to you? You watch the news, and if you're not depressed, you watch the news, you'll become depressed. But look what the writer does. He turns to the real issue. Look at verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made... Now, let me just tell you this. Do you know that Jesus is his human name? Did you know that? God told Joseph, you will name him, you shall call him Jesus. And this is his human name. So he is emphasizing, the writer is emphasizing the humanity of Christ. The whole point of it. And how it's going to frame the rest of of the book of Hebrews. If you don't understand this and the work that he does on, this, on, the, on the cross of Calvary, if you don't understand that, you are going to be confused in Hebrews. So he says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, referencing back to Psalm 8. Psalm 8 is talking about humans. For the suffering of death, crowned... What, what, for the What? For the suffering of death. The reason he became a man was suffering the death of the cross of Calvary. It wasn't so that he could walk around the region healing people, taking away their, uh, their physical ailments. The reason he became a man was to suffer and die on the cross. Crowned with glory and honor. That he by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this, you are that everyone. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you're that everyone. He tasted death for you. He tasted death for me. Every thought that I would think that's against God, every word I would say that's against God, every action I would do that's against God, He tasted death because of me. And he did the same for you. He did the same for you. Look at verse 10. For it was fitting for him, for whom all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons, children to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect 
through sufferings. It was fitting. Let me paraphrase that for you. It was right. He thought it was right that he who made all things and by all things consist through him in bringing many to Christ, I mean many to salvation and glory, to be the captain of their salvation, perfect, complete, through sufferings. Look at verse 11. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are of all one. For which reason, he is not ashamed to call them brethren. For Jesus Christ to step in on our behalf and suffer and die for us, he had to become man, he had to experience everything that you and I would ever experience and not sin, even though we did, that he would be the final, complete perfect sacrifice, the propitiation of God. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. And because of that, that identification with us and our faith in Him, He's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. That's Jesus. When Jesus says, that's my brother, He doesn't do that in shame. He does that in love because he paid the ultimate price for that brother. And years ago in churches, we used to call each other brother and sister. You know why? Because it it, it was a verbal testimony of that unity in Christ. He uses some other verses to further substantiate what he's talking about about Jesus not being ashamed to call us brethren. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. Here am I and the children whom God has given me. But here's the nuts and bolts. Look at verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. God became man, flesh and blood. Why? That through the death he might destroy him, Satan, who had the power of death, that is the devil. Satan had the power of death, but look at the next phrase. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now listen to me. Do you know what, do you know what the power of death is? The power of death is the fear of death. If you don't fear death, death has no power over you. And Jesus Christ died. He became a man. He lived a perfect life. He was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. And He died on the cross for us so that we don't have to fear death. He defeated the fear. Listen, we have not been given the spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. And Jesus broke that spirit when he died on the cross of Calvary. But you know what? Fear is a great motivator, isn't it? Do you know that you are manipulated by the media? 
the news, the politicians, they get you fearing something that may never happen to get something from you. They do. Fear is a motivator. He's talking about this death of Christ and the power of death being broken. Now, based on that, verse 17, there's a therefore. That means based on this, verse 16, for indeed, he does not give aid to angels. He doesn't run to their rescue. He doesn't die on the cross for angels. But he does take on to the seed of Abraham. And because we believed in him, Galatians refers to us that he is, in fact, the seed. And when we believed in him, we became the descendants. Not We're not replacement theology but we are united, the Jew, the Gentile, one united in Christ Jesus. Now look at verse 17. Therefore in all things, he, now listen to this, he had to be made. He had to. He had to. There's no hope for you and for me had he not become a man and died on the cross. There was no hope. Listen, this is what really, really disturbs me about someone who thinks they've got to live the life. You can't live the life. You've got to believe in Jesus Christ, and then in His power, and His Spirit lives inside of you, then He enables you to be a faithful Christian. But there's no one, no one can be good enough to go to heaven. Do you realize that we were dead in our sins? Dead men do nothing. You go to the visitation at a funeral home and you look in the casket. That person lying in the casket can do nothing. And you and I were dead in our trespasses and sins. We could do nothing. But you know what? Just as it said in verse 10, for it was fitting for him, he thought it was right. That he would step out of glory. He would come to this earth and become a man, born of a virgin, live a perfect life and never sin so that for the purpose of suffering, dying on the cross, carrying the weight of the sin of all humanity upon him, and dying on that cross. He had to do it. He had to be made like his brethren, human, flesh and blood, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God, Listen, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. To satisfy God, he had to do it. No one else could. And as that high priest represented God to the people and people to God, and he would take all those sacrificial lambs, and year after year they would bring all those lambs in and they would sacrifice. You'll see as we get deeper in Hebrews, there remaineth no more sacrifice. Jesus died once and for all. Once and for all. Verse 18, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. When you're suffering and you're hurting or you're being tempted or you're being tested, and you think nobody understands, let me tell you something, Jesus Christ understands because He is tempted in all points like you, yet without sin. Jesus and His followers all have the same Father. 
That's why he is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we believers are flesh and blood, Jesus also had to become flesh and blood so that he could only a human, but only a, a, a divine human, only one that was, had a, who was fully God and fully man could die on the cross who could break the power of the devil, who could break the power of sin, and who could break the power of death. It could only be Jesus. This is the only way he could set free all who've, who've lived our lives, all of our lives, as a, a slave to fear, a slave to the devil. And now because Jesus did the power of death, the fear of death is gone. He didn't do this for angels. He did it for you. He did it for me. Because of his great love for us, church. And we stand in churches and we, we've made this all so much about us. I'll sing if I like the song or I'll sing if it's my style of music or something. Man, think about the, cow, the cross of Calvary. Jesus, it's about Jesus. It's not about whether you can sing or you can't sing, whether you like it or you don't like it. It's about Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary dying for you. The point is, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us so that he could be our merciful high priest before God. And listen, listen to this. When you get into the New Testament, you see that Jesus is our advocate. You see that he argues on our behalf. When Satan, the accuser of the brethren, says, look, look what he or she's doing. Jesus stands up and says it's covered under the blood. It's finished. When God looks at you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, when God looks at you, He doesn't see all your shortcomings. He doesn't see all of your failings. He sees the blood of Christ applied to your life, and He counts you righteous. He declared you righteous. And no one, no one, no one is powerful enough to undeclare you righteous. He could offer up this sacrifice that could take away the sins of the people, and it wouldn't have to be done repeatedly. It's a once-for-all sacrifice. And since he's gone through the suffering and testing, he's able to help us when we're being tested. So now, listen to me. And here's the argument. So now that because he has tasted death for every one of us and we believed in him, we're saved and on our way to heaven, we will rule with him in the kingdom... He will restore the authority that the fall took away back to us and we will reign victorious with Him. His death on the cross restored all that the fall took away, the curse took away. I mean, we were at... The, um, I used to go to the, the free um, show there. They called it, um, I think they called it a swap meet. In, at Lucasville, and one year they had a guy in there that had a booth or a, a tent, and in the tent he had a lion, a caged lion, a real lion. And <clears throat> we were peeking in. I didn't want to pay $5 to go in, and my luck, the thing would get out, and he'd, he'd like wipe me and eat me or something. You know, I don't know. But anyways, um, that guy walked up, and he said, watch this. And he walked up to the cage, and he tapped the cage, and that lion roared. And I want to tell you something. I am not exaggerating. This is not a hyperbole. This is God's honest truth. I felt that roar under my feet. 
It was unlike anything I've ever heard. I mean, it was just, woo. And there is such enmity between animals and humans right now. But do you know that in the kingdom, all that will be done away with? It'll all be done away with. It'll be just like it was before the fall. Everything that Adam brought as a curse, Jesus Christ did away with. God became flesh and blood, Jesus. He came to this earth and he lived a perfect life. He was tempted like we were without sin so that he could be the perfect sacrifice, the propitiation that satisfied God's demands, satisfactory what propitiation means. It means satisfactory. It satisfied, satisfied God's righteous demands. In the day that you sin, you shall surely die. It satisfied His righteous demands. And it brought us back to a place of authority with the Lord Jesus Christ in His kingdom. We look around right now and we don't see it. Because He's talking about the world to come. But we see Jesus. We keep our eyes on Him, even though all around us the world is falling apart. We keep our eyes on Him, and we worship Him, we grow in Him, we serve Him. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you this. Because when I could not go to where he was, he came to me. Brother Harry, would you come please? I've asked Brother Harry to sing this song for us. He came to me.